Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. Welcome to another episode of the Perfectly Perfect Campaign. I'm your host, Blair Marsden, and today we have the privilege of delving into the remarkable journey of a true inspiration, Zimmer Anderson. She's more than just a well-known Australian actress, having graced our screens on iconic shows like Neighbours and conquered the challenges of SAS Australia. Zimmer's career has soared to incredible heights, but what truly sets her apart is a dedication to making a difference off-camera. In this episode, we'll peel back the layers to reveal the person behind the screen, a person who's committed to creating a positive impact by sharing her own story and delving deep into her vulnerabilities. Zimmer Anderson is not just a talent in the entertainment industry, she's a beacon of authenticity and resilience. Her willingness to open up and share her personal truth demonstrates her unwavering commitment to helping others on their journey to self-discovery and personal growth. Prepare to be inspired as we explore the depth of Zimmer's journey and discover how she's making a significant impact on the world, one story at a time. First and foremost, welcome to the show, Zimmer. Thank you so much, Ben. I am very happy to be here as always. You are welcome. I mean, what has it been? Um, two and a half, three years ago. And yeah, it, it was. It, you actually reached out to the campaign and said such an advocate for what you're doing. And obviously, I've known you from your career and, and, and growing up. And we were honored that you got in touch and you were straight on board doing videos for us. So yeah. what initially drew you to, obviously, the campaign in of itself? And why are you such an advocate towards mental health? I'm such an advocate for knowing yourself and knowing your emotions and allowing yourself to have knowledge on who you are and how you learn and how you express yourself because I feel like that just aids you in life massively. So mental health plays a massive part in that and obviously personalities and different like mental challenges that you can go through in life um, that really drew me to mental health and I also grew up with a parent with mental health issues as well so I was very much like exposed to it at, at a young age that's why I was so drawn to mental health in the campaign I just feel like it's so important and welcome my dog who wants to play with me right now <laughs> right now but I mean hey. You were such you you got straight on board and and you got some support videos and lending your voice for it. And I mean, when people or what people predominantly know you for is your career in acting with Neighbours. It's such a prolific show, thirty eight years, like nine hundred episodes or something. And you went into such an iconic show, but people on a on an external they see this character, they see the confidence. But what yeah. is the journey to getting that? Because I know from reading a lot of interviews with you, that confidence hasn't always been there. So how do you cut out all the noise to kind of put yourself into that character and then walk away from it and people think you are that character in real life? Acting and confidence in being someone else came naturally because I felt like I could be empathetic and connect with anybody. So getting a character was this beautiful chance to feel emotions that other people get to feel because I feel like I feel it anyway, whether I'm acting or not. I just, if my friend's having a sad day, it makes me sad too. If I see someone in the street sad, like I feel that. 
anger, everything. Like I felt like I was very much an emotional chameleon in life and getting, it just came naturally. Like I was just confident in being able to slip into someone else. So it's not myself. I don't need to worry about being confident as Zimmer. I don't need to worry about what people are thinking of me because it's not me. But I think it's been interesting, definitely being an actor, people really do think that that's you. So that's also come about me as well, as you said, like everyone thinks I'm really, really confident. I am confident and I'll come off across as confident in a room. Um, if I feel it's a genuine room, I'm very happy in spaces and happy in different personalities too. And I have many different friend groups and it shows in that way. But a lot of the time, like I'm nervous and I get social anxiety and I've suffered with depression and anxiety before in the past. And so it's been a very crazy experience when I get, when I'm nervous and a lot of people tell me I seem very confident when I'm nervous. I can't explain how it happens. It just seems to happen. <laughs> In the acting world, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter if I'm shy. It doesn't matter if I'm anxious because as soon as it's like action, it just, it's not me. So everything kind of melts away. Yeah, and that's such a big uh, commonality I've noticed with a lot of people I know in the industry. It's like you're a chameleon. You can go into that character and walk away from yeah. it. People often don't see that side of you. But what would yeah. you want people to know what it's like actually from a point of view of going onto per se this iconic show where you've got your peers there, you're acting, you've got to hold yourself, mm-hmm. you've got to sort of give yourself this confidence. Is this self-doubt that's creeping in your mind? Are you keeping yourself up? How 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 is that journey? Do you know, the journey was an interesting one. I was really, really, really proud to have gotten a place on the show. And obviously when I got there, I was like, let's just, I just have to be as confident as I can. My character was like crazy, jumping on the bar, lighting the fire at the start. So I was like, let's go in there. And I would be terrified, but I just trusted in the process and trusted in my craft and threw myself into it. And at the start, like I was really really um proud of myself because a lot of the cast and the crew were like you don't seem nervous you don't seem shy whatsoever but there was a gradual a gradual ease into self-doubt through that time funnily enough because I was quite confident at the start that my peers were like that's just your personality like even on the cast of Neighbours they were like you're crazy and you're like a party animal and it started to like get to me because I was like nervous and it was just the show that I was putting on and it's not actually my personality and I'm quite bubbly when you meet me as well just because I like to be like a people pleaser as well my biggest fear and the biggest struggles that I had on the show were actually in the in the partial nudity in the show because my character had partial nudity so I struggled a lot with feeling confident and like hyping myself up but what helped me get through is like I would just think about how there's other girls in the world that may feel so much less, like more self-conscious than I do and I just need to show confidence in myself and in my body and hopefully that makes people feel confident in themselves. You can wear whatever you want to. You can be as loud as you want to. And women are always told to be kind of like calm down and my character definitely wasn't that and she was definitely um, a feminist in how she used her body and how she wanted to show her body. She just like was so proud of who she is. She didn't even care about nudity whatsoever. She was like, this is me. So 
I just focused on the other people and the rest of the world and how I want other girls to be confident in their body and not be told if they want to wear clothes or they don't want to wear clothes, they can do whatever they want to do because their body is their body. And that really drove me and helped me with my, with my process in dealing with my anxiety and my doubt in myself through those types of things. Like you've just said, you've, you've come a long way since you've dealt on that. One thing that I just picked up on there is when you was talking about how you want other people to know that they can feel confident in the way that they dress and all this kind of stuff. When you are thrust into the limelight, and I've asked this a few times over the last few seasons with people, it, it's a very different feeling I can only attest when you're seen in a certain light and then you mm-hmm. can get attention for the wrong reason by fans that dislike you for a character storyline. So how do you deal with that kind of noise? Because you're like, hold on, it's not me, I'm playing a character. Yeah, do you know, I've had so many inter- interesting interactions at the start of the show with people. And um, as I know, being a woman um, and I have boobs, supposedly, therefore, I will 100% be judged just for my body. Like, I'll be sexualized as soon as I'm looked at. And a lot of the characters that I get typecast for will be sexualized characters just because of the particular way my body looks. So interesting time with my first agent when I was on the show as well because it was also getting to him. He wanted to make sure that I wasn't viewed in a way, but he was also pushing me in that direction as well. In um, I feel that when women are sexualized and when I'm put in a character of like a naughty girl who's like annoying, sexualized, doesn't care, the world kind of like and all the fans kind of like jumped straight onto that. And you kind of get put into one bracket. So you get put into this place where that means that I don't, like my opinions don't matter because I'm less smart because I'm attractive. Those sorts of different things. Like these were all things that I was struggling with at the time and the different comments that I got from people stopping me in the street and telling me things and and obviously um, thinking that I go out like every single weekend and that I don't care for people's feelings and stuff like that. It was a very interesting process. But in that, I loved it because I feel that women of any time, like we do get sexualized with this kind of stuff, especially these roles that you play. If I was put in that position, I wanted to show the transition that even if like some viewers were like, I hate her, she's so annoying. I knew they were going to love me at the end of my character's journey because it's like showing the person personality and the personableness that she had and the charm that she had and the softest in vulnerable places to connect more with the audience. And by the end of Neighbours, like I knew that everyone was like, I loved the journey of Roxy and I loved the journey of this and didn't like her at the start, love her now. And Roxy went through a lot of mental challenges as well and that grew her as a person. It's like we're all trying out here. So yeah, I'm going on a tangent, but yes, it's been crazy with seeing how people have reacted to that and put me in a certain bracket. And it's been really nice to take myself out of that bracket to a certain degree. But it's definitely something I'm super aware of that will hold on to me for a while as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and, and being an actress, obviously, there's different forms of, of the way that you can express yourself when it comes to it. And you, you speak openly about it and you showcase your work. You're an incredible artist. Like we've seen you work online um, and you teach dance classes. Where, where did you pick up art? Like, is that a form of expression when you're feeling certain ways? Because I know a lot of people, when I started IPC and everyone's like, 
wow, you're showing anxiety, depression through photography. And I was like, it's a form of art that really resonates with people. Have you noticed yours have done that? Where did it come from? I know that, like, I have many different outlets and the way that I think about life, like, I really love to jump into things and I... I feel a lot of emotions and so I love music and it started when I was about 18. I I feel ashamed because I didn't start painting early. It's not something that I've done forever, but I started it literally when I was 18 years old and I was listening to a certain artist that I loved, J. Cole, and he really moved me with his words and he made me feel a way that I didn't know how to express and it came through art. So it started on the African-American civil rights and I started to paint artists and I started to paint like activists and it just started through that. But then I stopped when I was 19 and obviously went straight to Neighbours and it was in the last year of Neighbours that I picked the paintbrush up again and I did a um, I did a self-produced art gallery and just like you have done your podcast and your whole campaign on trying to get people to see a different side to, to humans and like connecting to them just as we all feel. I created a gallery that was really important to me called I See You and it was all painted on mirrors and I half painted the portraits of people that I knew and that I loved, a lot of actors and a lot of friends and I made them kind of like see-through so that when you saw each of the pieces, I one gave the person space to paint themselves by not finishing themselves because when you take a picture of someone you can't really like Mm. see but you just see the end finish but like the movement of a person is so much more beautiful and the and the fact that they will change the next time you see them is even more beautiful as well and the mirrors gave it that element and then on top of that it was a way of when you look in the mirror you see yourself in someone else so you can still see your reflection and it's like a way that you can connect so I feel like it's generally just human connection is what inspired me to start painting. And lo and behold, being a creative person, for some reason I'm just good at it, which is great. Um, <laughs> and definitely something I love to do. But it tum- comes at different times. Like sometimes I just can't paint. It's yeah. because I'm just not in that zone. It's just, right. you know how it is creatively. You just get an idea and like, throw yourself into it. Yeah, but I picked up on something you said there when you said you self-produced it and things. And, and people don't often see this, do they? Because they see you guys on TV, they see the TV week, they see the logos, they see all this kind of stuff. But behind, obviously, what's happening or been happening in the US with, with the strikes and the writers and that, like money-wise, there's a lot of things that you guys have to do through education, keep training. Yeah. What is it like from going from you deciding you wanting to obviously break into acting to how much money you're actually outputting to self-producing a, a gallery like that people don't yeah. see. It's so crazy. So I, I didn't come from heaps of money as well. And definitely right before Neighbours, I was at a point in my life where I would not, my, my parents are the most beautiful humans. They will give me money if I need, but I was very independent. I've always been independent and I refused to let them help me in any way. And I was really scraping the bottom of the barrel. Like I was just pushing through, like working quite a few different jobs to try and get there. And neighbors just saved me in that point of time. And um, then coming to an end, um, it was, interesting for me as well because I threw a lot of money into it and I'm a type of person where like I'll save money but also it, it doesn't 
matter to me the money that I put into something if I don't get it back in return. And I spent like so much money in finding a space and revamping it. And I did it all on my own because I'm also so, as I said, annoyingly independent. I wouldn't let any of my friends help me until I have like a little mental breakdown. And my, I remember Gemma Donovan was with me and like she was asking me to hang out, but I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. I was like moving full couches by myself, lifting them in and out of trucks and stuff like for some reason, I just really like mental and physical challenge, obviously doing SAS. I obviously like to just throw myself into very interesting situations. And um, I was doing it and struggling and like pushing the barrel and like working on finishing on Neighbours at the same time or go, I think I went back to Neighbours at that time and I was scraping to get everything done. And one of the last days before I was meant to put my show on, Gemma came to see and like I was painting the whole of a exterior, a colour, and I was just like, wasn't eating right because I was focusing and I was like just really in it and then I remember I started crying because I was trying to like paint the thing and she was just like I'm not helping but I'm picking up a paintbrush and I'm just (laughs) gonna start I'm just gonna start doing and I was like okay and I think that's so important as well for anyone listening with like if you're a people pleaser and you're an independent person and you're a hard worker it doesn't make you any less hard of a worker by allowing someone to help you in the process because if you break your back doing it, then it's not going to feel good once it's finished. You know, you're going to be in pain rather than like enjoy the actual process. You know what I'm saying? Yes, because when you're saying that, I'm like, are you the type of person? Because I'm very much like this. Everyone can look on an external, see all the work you are doing. But for you, because yeah. you've done it for so long, it seems very or relatively quick. And then you can be so hard on yourself going, I'm not doing enough. I need to be doing more. Yeah. That 100%. Is the worst. Is the worst. Is the worst. <laughs> but, but but the same way there, you mentioned SAS. So SAS is is just out. So it's the first mm-hmm. time that you've really opened up and gone really personal with with people that you you care about and everything else. First of all, before we go into mm-hmm. that, tell us about SAS Australia. Obviously, everyone in Australia knows it, but we've got audience in the UK and the US. So tell us what drew you to that challenge. I know you like throwing yourself in, but that's a throw in. I know. So it's so funny because people look at me and I'm like a five foot blonde little girly girl, but I'm not a girly girl whatsoever. Like I grew up on a farm and my childhood was spent sitting in trees, like legitimately, like, and I would just go hang out by myself and I was climbing anything and everything. And I was always getting really dirty. Like I did not care about that stuff. And, um, I say I'm not a reality TV person either. And I always said throughout my career that I was a no deal for reality and I didn't want, no offense to the public, but I wanted to keep myself for myself because myself is very important to me. Like who I am and what I care about and the the groundedness of myself and the vulnerability of me, I really wanted to keep. But I loved SAS watching it because I thought it was a beautiful way of reality TV and that it's literally just humans supporting each other and trying to test their limits mentally and physically and proving to themselves that they can do so much more than what they ever think they can. And I love that stuff. Like I love anything that's like um, that is is self-work and self-improvement. Like that stuff really gets me off. Like Tony Robbins, everything, cold yeah. showers, ice baths. Like I love that stuff. I love learning and I love everything and I also weirdly loved um the army when I was growing up like I just liked the camaraderie of 
I feel like I'm not much, it's more of like a, a delayed gratification kind of thing, like having to put in so much hard work and knowing that it's not about you, it's for everyone around you and it's for other people in the world. So it's not like everyone's just praising you individually because I feel like doing things selflessly is so much more valuable and is really important for everyone to do. So I kind of like the idea of the army and I always wanted to be a spy on a TV show as well or be like a badass like um, Lara Croft vibe. You know what I'm saying? Like I love that <laughs> stuff. I'm an ex-gymnast as well, so I'm always like flipping around and doing stuff. Um, so, yeah, I was drawn to SAS because I they asked me if I wanted to do it and my agent didn't even know that that's what I love as well. Like he said, would you possibly be interested to this? And I was like, I'm an ex-gymnast, so I'm really strong. I exercise like six to uh, five to six times a week. I practice mental strength and meditation and ice baths. And I do like, I love MMA as well. So I like, I have a side to myself that people don't expect. And I'm a very strong person in that way. And so I thought to myself, being typecast as an actor, being blonde as well, and having boobs, as I said before, if I can say that word on this podcast, I don't know, but that really sets me into a bracket. I get put in kind of like love interest or sex or um, girly girl or blonde hair so she's not a nice girl kind of vibe. And I'm also Aboriginal as well, and I, I'm not, don't you get typecast as that as well because I'm Palo Akani, and it's kind of like, getting the opportunity on SAS to go out and it's in the desert in the Middle East as well and get to throw myself into that experience and be in the army, basically. I was like, yes, get rid of my phone, get rid of my personality. I don't care about that stuff. I like to be pushed and I like to be, I like to challenge myself. So I was like, yeah, get me in there straight away. I, um, just so the, love the idea of it. It's crazy. So the physicality of it, that's one part of it. But then, like you say, the mental part of it, how hard was that for you? I know that you do your meditation, the ice baths, and I must say you need to listen to the episode I had Wim Hof, the original, on my podcast. How incredible. He's, you did not. He's, I love he's, Wim Hof. Oh, man. He's just he's incredible. My- yeah. Yeah, he got me through, uh, through the whole pandemic. He was telling me about doing an ice bath every day and – Never got COVID once. It was like ice wow. every single day. So, yeah. But that aside, the physicality is one part. How did you get through the mental? Because you had all the external stuff taken away from you. So how did you cope? I was, I, I, it's so funny. Like I always say to my friends, if you can't spend time with yourself, then something's going on in your brain. And I love to spend time with myself. So I was very excited to be away from my phone and also to be away from my name because you get a number. So you don't get called by your name and you, you just get told, you just push through and um, test yourself physically and mentally. And the mental stuff was, I think there was towards like the end, there was a time where I kind of wanted to give up, but, and it was difficult, but it actually wasn't for what, and I'm hoping people don't see me as weak because of it as well. I'm very emotional. So I cry at the drop of a hat. Like, I don't know how there's so much water in my body. So I'm hoping it doesn't look weak. But in that, I want to show people that you can cry and you're still strong. 
because that's just me as a person. Like I'll cry about something and then I'll go and jump out of a helicopter. You know what I mean? Like I'll, it doesn't mean anything. It's like, it's also, if you cry, you heal your body to regenerate, to do what you need to do. If you suppress your emotions, it doesn't help you. So there was parts that there was a part where I did want to leave, but it was also because I realized even though I love all the things and I love the mental challenge, I actually chose to do SAS weirdly. I was trying to do it to stop my people pleasing tendencies, to stop worrying about what people think of me and stop thinking about the box they put me in. And then when I was there, I realized I was still adhering to that. I was like choosing to do something that was completely crazy because I don't think people see me as strong. And I was like, why do I need to, why do I need other people to be like that small blonde girl is strong? Oh, I thought she was weak. I don't know why I listened so much. So it was a weird moment. It wasn't because I was weak. It was like, I'm still people pleasing here and I've come here to stop doing that. But yet, I thought that everyone on the set and all of the cast would think that I was weak because of how I look. But then everyone there was like, you're so strong, Zuma. And that put, stepped me back. And then I started to feel very weird and I got imposter syndrome. I was like, what do you mean? I'm not strong. I'm here to prove to you that I'm strong. Why do you think I'm strong? You meant to think I'm weak and then I'll do better. Do you know what I mean? So it was a very weird thing. Like when people wanted to give up other people before me, the rest of the crew were like, you do what you want to do. And like, we want you to stay, but it's okay. But when I was like, guys, I think it's ready for me to go. They were like, you can't go. You have so much more to give. And I was like, what? What do you mean? I'm like five foot tall. Like, why do you think I'm strong? Like, I'm only here to prove to you to show I'm strong. And if I've already got that, why am I here? So it was a very weird, that was the only, that was the massive mental challenge that I had. It wasn't actually doing stuff like they can yell at me all they want. Like I'm not personally attached to it. So that kind of stuff didn't bother me whatsoever. Um, getting through interesting tasks and like the bee stings in the middle of the night, that stuff was fine. Like it was hard and there's times where I think I'm not going to give up, but I'm such a person where I'll never actually give up. I'll always do it and it's after I'll think about whether it served me, whether I want to continue with the thing, but I'll never actually not do things. So the mental side was okay with that kind of stuff. What actually got me more so as well is the limiting beliefs that you can put on yourself. I physically, as I've said seven times, I'm five foot tall. So I went in there knowing I was strong, but knowing where my weaknesses were, but didn't think it was going to get to me as much as it did. And I, because I've got little legs and running and I was there with like Peter Boll, who's a champion runner, and he's like so far ahead of me. And I'm thinking, I'm judging myself for not being at front. And I'm like, physically, how can I be at the front? He takes one step and I take 10 steps. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, I, I was really, really judging myself on that side and being so hard on myself and being like, I'm, and they would say things as well. And it was kind of to wean off the week mentally. They would say things like, if you're at the back, you know what you need to do. You're letting the team down. And it started to get into my head. Usually I'm good with that stuff, but I was like, I'm at the back and people are having to come and help me because I'm just short and I'm small. And we had to carry like 15 kilogram backpacks and 12 kilogram backpacks around through running through the sand in the desert and then carry other things and stuff like as we were going. And it's like, 
I kept being like, everyone else is at the front of me, judging myself for it. And I was saying I wasn't good enough. And when that kind of got to me and I wanted to give up, the the staff were like literally pulling me to the side being like, you're one of the strongest here. Like you're carrying your body weight. That big muscle man, Tim Robards was there, one of my good mates. They were like, he's not, he's not even, he's like carrying a quarter of his weight. You need to think about this and you're still doing good. You may be at the back, but it doesn't matter. So it was like interesting mental challenges that I weren't thinking would happen. I thought that I maybe wouldn't want like mind if I'm at the back, but I just wanted to do really well and I wanted to show I was strong. And I was more so thinking of the tortoise and the hare thing of like, who's first? Do you know what I mean? You come across really well throughout the show. But one of the things I was going to say to you is I think often with reality TV, you've just even explained there the stuff that you was going through mentally telling yourself, you're going through that not only there, but supposedly you've got cameras that are rolling 24 seven to capture everything that you're doing. So you're not only mentally doing that to yourself, you've got those. So you obviously forget they're there for that long, but then it's shown on TV. You've got all that in your head and you come out, I suppose. Did, did the whole experience for you put you in a better stead of, if people do judge you or they see something or the papers say something and you go, well, you know what? I did that to myself mentally. So now I'm prepared for anything. Yeah. Do you know what was so funny as well? Like I went through, I went through it and all of the different tasks. So obviously SAS kind of gives you, they have tasks that are, they're like strip your ego. You're a celebrity. And I'm just not that as a person. And I feel like I went there and a lot of the tasks and the lessons that we learn after task, I'm like, I've already learned this through life in trauma or like life experience. And like, I feel like I've got a really good head on me and I'm grounded and um, I know, I know myself and I really have to stop caring about what other people think and putting myself in crazy situations in the middle of the desert for what reason. Um, but it was amazing. And I, I think that, whatever shows on TV, I'm just really proud of myself and I know who I am as a person and I know my intentions in the way that I live and, like, it doesn't bother me what people take from it whatsoever. I know without a doubt as soon as they see me, before they actually see me do anything, people just doubt me anyway. So I don't really mind about that stuff. And I know that people will be wowed by some of the things that I do just because they don't think I'm physically capable, but they have no idea that I've been a gymnast for like most of my life and that I've like done some, I can climb up a rope with just my hands and you wouldn't expect I'm that strong. Like there's so many different aspects and it's really taken away. Like I don't, don't care. And SAS has been even more grounding in how much I shouldn't care for what other people in the media project me as. That's really good. And and like we said a little bit earlier, it's, it's one of the first times, obviously, with, with seeing you through your career and the trajectory that's obviously keep going that way. But with you opening up a little bit more about your personal life and talking about that stuff and talking mm-hmm. about it in an environment that's reality, I suppose, where are you with that? Because it, it obviously came across really, really well, the way that you're delivering it and you're opening up a lot more. Do you feel more comfortable talking about those, what you went through? And You know, I'm still terrified. I'm terrified for it to air because obviously as we're recording this, it hasn't aired yet. Um, 
I also, I don't know whether they're, they're going to show it on the show, but like as an actor and obviously just as me, I'm really personal. So you can always chat to me and I'll be great. And you, and like, I'll crack jokes and I'll make you comfortable. So in SAS, they always do individual interviews and they called me in for an individual interview, my first one. They didn't know at that time that I was doubting myself. And I remember I was making the staff laugh and I did not get, they didn't get anything personal from me. And I'm a very open person, but the first interview, usually they go for like hours because they try to get all your gossip and all your life. They did my interview for like 15 minutes and they were like, oh, she's fine, blah, blah, blah. I was cracking jokes. I was like, so great. And then the very next day, they like, I think I broke a little bit like personally, like, and I forgot that they can see us on the cameras that are all around our camp. And I was like, oh, oh no. I was like, everyone's caught my facade because I am really good and it is true feelings. Like I'm very happy to be there, but I love my, my little emotional world is happening. And they caught me and they called me in again. I think they called me in to tell me I did a good job or there was some sort of task and then then they 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 got they got it out of me and so it was very interesting even for myself because I'm like damn I must be a really good actor because I really pulled them in the first interview they got nothing out of me they had to interview for me for a second time and they never did that with anybody else like everyone else like said their stuff but like I even fooled myself I was like hey it's a joke it's great all good and then I got in there the second time and they were like what about your life like where's this come from and I was like I just dropped the bombs and they were like oh they were just shocked like about like my upbringing and my life so far and they're like we just oh okay and I was like yep and obviously I was emotional then but I even surprised myself so that time was very interesting (laughs) wow and guys we're not going to give too much of that away because you need to watch the show because it's um it's a good show. So guys, make sure you uh, check that out. But through everything, like what, what, and you know that I asked this question to each and every person, everything you've been through, like what does imperfectly perfect mean to you? Imperfectly perfect means to me everything. It, it means just being a human and just accepting who you are as a person. We all have a dark and a light side and we all are just trying our best some people hold more pain in themselves and I feel that may be why they might not act as nice as what you'd like them to act, but it's generally just everyone's going through some crazy stuff and everyone's going through highs and lows and we need to gift ourselves that we are imperfectly perfect and we do not need to worry about being anything but ourselves. Beautiful, beautiful. So with everything now, what what's next for you? Obviously, are we going to see you back on Neighbours with it starting back up again? That was like short-lived um, cancellation of the show and then straight back. <laughs> I like, there's so many things, obviously, like my personality, I just want to do everything. But my plans are I have got some really cool action shots from SAS. I'm going to take them, pop them in the showreel and the helicopter and like the guns and stuff. And I'm going to hopefully get an action film or movie because I love sci-fi and I love action. And I want to be the really cool, as I said before, Lara Croft girl who's like running, who's like a little spy or an assassin. Like I want that stuff like out of the typecast that I always get because I'm all happy and like great. I want to do some really cool stunts because I love stunts. Mm -hmm. And um, then... 
hopefully do some mental health um, workshops and public speaking around Melbourne. I really want to help people that have been in similar positions that I have been in. Um, I really want to do relationship coaching and life coaching for people alongside of acting and help people guide themselves through life because it's hard and I feel like we need to share and like build each other up when it comes to life with some tips and help because it really is hard out here you know that just leads me to my last question because I was going to say that because obviously when you opened up on the show and you went deep and Mm. obviously you got a reaction from people and when you do that obviously what I've learned from IPC the amount of messages and how many lives you can touch merely by your story You'd be a great speaker to go out and do that. Obviously, you've got that one, but then people don't see this side of Zimmer. Like, they see one side and one facet. And I think through this campaign, everyone's seen a totally different side. That Everyone's human. So, obviously, you you mentioned a bit there, but is that something you'd obviously like to go on and and do a lot more speaking with? It's so funny. I've had this universal feeling in my soul since I was really little. Um, my family situation has always been crazy. So I've been really independent. And as I was growing through that um, trauma growing up and, and um, it's a very interesting situation, like briefly, like I am a foster child and not a lot of people know that. And I've gone through many different um, situations and it's been confusing to talk to other kids about it as well. Because when you're a kid, you can't, really explain it and I was very mature when I was young because of what I'd been exposed to so when I was little I used to think to myself one day I will speak about this and speak about my life and about my experience and I know it's going to help other people but I know that the time isn't right now so it's so crazy my best friend who I've been best friends for like 12 years she's back in Tasmania I grew up in a really small town she sometimes lets slip that like I'm a foster kid or like some of the my life growing up and to other people that we grew up with, as I'm my camera's going, as we grew up with. Um she's she's mentioned little things about my life uh to them, not thinking about it because she's like, We grew up together and they're like, No way. And I've been so quiet with my whole life because I knew that it was never the time to come out and I wanted to be an actor always and I thought once I have the platform, it's gonna be a more selfless way in helping other people than just complaining about it my whole life. Like I was like, there's no, there's no help in continually manifesting that energy. I just wanted to put it into something and be in a successful place because a lot of people think successful people, they're like, you've had, you're so lucky you you've gotten here because you've done this and you're just lucky. And I'm like, well, you can go through what I've gone through and still be successful. You don't need to follow the footsteps of anyone in your life or in your family. You can just push through and create your own reality. And I wanted to create that first to showcase it and then use it to inspire people. So I definitely want to do it. It's terrifying to me, but I know that SAS, as soon as it came to me, that was the first thing that came to my mind because I knew that that would happen in the show. Um, and I'm thinking that it's the right time for me to be open and help other people that have gone through the same things as me. That's so I'm me. very excited to hopefully, hopefully I touch people and hopefully I make people feel less alone in their stories. That's the one goal. 
Now you've just led me to one last question because you've said this now, and it's what, what, what message do you obviously want to leave for anyone out there from this? Because you've just so rightly put there, you were in foster care, you held it back till you got this platform, you didn't feel it was right, and now you can help people. But the wisdom that you've gained through everything, I think you could obviously help people even before your platform. Where where are you with that now? What message would you leave to anybody that is kind of suppressing it? I would generally just say, like, if you're going through hard times in your life, one, don't be like, I can't be sad and I, I'm just like worth nothing. You've got to accept what you've been given. Sometimes we're given really difficult things in our life, but you're so strong and you're so worthy in wherever you are. And even though these things happen to you, you have the power to create your life and you have the power to not be a victim in things and to push forward and gift yourself the love and the luck and the happiness that you deserve. It's so hard and I feel like a lot of people will be like, but yeah, if you don't have money and you don't have this and you just have really, really bad trauma stories. It's so true and I never wish trauma upon anyone and I've experienced trauma as well, but what's enhanced my life is to just go, trauma has happened to me, but I deserve love and I deserve to live my life. Well, I just want to say on behalf of myself and the campaign for you getting in touch, like, two and a half, three years ago now, and just always been there and an advocate for it. Thank you very much. Guys, just remember the whole thing about IPC, Imperfectly Perfect campaign, is to keep having the hard conversations because it's the hard conversations that save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.